But you brought up something else that was very interesting to me. Okay. You know who else is from Springfield, Missouri? I do not know, Jen. Please tell us. Brad Pitt. <laughs> oh, that's right. He, actually, he he went to he went to I don't know if I can name call out certain schools. He went to Kickapoo High School, which was the rival <laughs> high school of Glendale High School, which was the high school where uh, well, actually, my brother went to Glendale High School. Okay. But yeah, he went to Kickapoo High School. Oh, so, how funny! Yeah, uh, so, That's yeah. awesome. Yeah. Leave it, leave it yeah. to the, one of the biggest uh, Brad Pitt fans that, I'm a that, huge I, that I know. Brad Pitt fan. He's probably the only person I'm a I would be starstruck for. But well, so now I'm starstruck for you. Well, be- before we devolve oh, yeah. into yeah. Brad Pitt fandom. Welcome to Talk With History. I'm your host, Scott, here with my wife and historian, Jen. Hello. On this podcast, we give you insights to our history-inspired world travels, YouTube channel journey, and examine history through deeper conversations with the curious, the explorers, and the history lovers out there. And today, we are chatting with Jared from the Daily Bell Ringer YouTube channel. Welcome, Jared. Hey, guys. How you doing? (laughs) Good. And uh, now before, Jared, we start entering our glasses or anyone listening, I want to ask our listeners to help us out by leaving us a review in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or feel free to reach out to us at thehistorybuzz.com. And don't forget to check out our other podcast, Talk With History, where Jen and I dive deeper into our Walk With History videos and give you a behind-the-scenes look at our history-based YouTube journey. Now, today's guest, Jared, is the host of The Daily Bell Ringer a YouTube channel that tries to provide videos to help students shift their minds from their previous class or subject to the history lesson of the day. So from what I've seen, these approximately five-minute videos are the perfect bite-sized history snack to get anyone from thinking about geometry and the Pythagorean theorem to the Roaring Twenties or World War I. <laughs> How are you doing today, Jared? Mm-hmm. Good. I was going to say you said we were going to have drinks, and I guess I did not bring anything yeah. down here with me. So it's, oh, no. I, should, I should have my big glass of milk here with me. I but, know. Yeah. I have my Diet Coke. It's all, it's all good. It's all good. Yeah. It's it's up to everyone. Yeah. I think uh, I think maybe one out of our first three interviews had, had something to drink with yeah. them, so don't worry about it. But um, <laughs> So, Jared, can you give us a little bit of background on, on kind of where you're from, how you kind of grew up and kind of grew into your passion for history and then kind of how that branched eventually into the daily, daily bell ringer. Well, honestly, I got a couple stories here. I'll share with you, uh, about kind of how I got into history. Um, actually it's kind of cool. You know, you're talking about, you know, that, uh, my videos are kind of focused on being used in the classroom and actually here over the past few weeks, it's been really cool because a lot of schools are winding down, which of course my views start going way down when the schools, when school's Mm -hmm. out. But what's cool too, is I have some teachers that have contacted me that want me to like visit their classes. And so I've been able to like virtually visit classes like from Texas to California to Florida, you know, and everything. And so it's really cool to get to connect with students that are, you know, hundreds of miles away uh, from me and everything. Oh, so that's awesome. That's been really cool. I, I'm I'm located in central Illinois. And uh, but actually, I grew up in uh, southwest Missouri near Springfield, Missouri okay. is where I grew up. And I'll give you two stories here of kind of how I got into history. Um, probably one of my most vivid memories of how I got into history was just outside of Springfield, Missouri. There is the Battle of Wilson's Creek. It was August 10th, 1861, one of the very early battles in in the war fighting for control of that border state of Missouri. And uh, Union troops led by General Nathaniel Lyon had marched down from St. Louis to basically secure the southwest part of the state. And uh, so, you know, we we have this battle that takes place down there. A lot of the Missouri State Guard and everything fighting against uh, Union troops. Of course, it was just a complete mess because it was so early in the war that neither side really knew what they were doing. But interestingly, Nathaniel Lyon, he gets killed in the battle. He's actually the first general to be killed in the Civil War uh, there at uh, the Battle of Wilson's Creek. But anyway, when I was a kid, my parents... My parents took me and one of my best friends out there to Wilson's Creek and basically just dropped us off and told us, just go run around for a few hours and we'll be back to pick you up later. <laughs> That's awesome. And so, yeah, we, yeah. I mean, I, I, of course, you know, we were 10 year old kids. We loved it that our parents just were giving us the independence to go out there. Absolutely. But, uh, I remember we went we went hiking up on Bloody Hill, which is where Nathaniel Lyon was shot down. Wow. And we got up there and there was this great big sinkhole. 
And so, of course, we're 10-year-old boys. What do you think we're going to do? Swim. We're like, you know, we jump down in this sinkhole. Mm-hmm. We start rolling around, running yeah. up and down each side for about mm-hmm. half an hour. Sure. We're there just goofing around in this sinkhole. And so then we come hiking down from Bloody Hill down to the visitor center, and we find the park ranger. And we're like, hey, what's up with that big sinkhole up there on Bloody Hill? And he said, oh, well, that's where they had 40 Union soldiers buried right after the battle. It was a mass <laughs> grave in oh, the sinkhole. And I suppose to me that made such an impact on me at 10 years old that here I had been running around and playing in this, what was a mass grave after the battle. And, uh, and so, you know, that made such an impact on me that then I was like, well, why in the world did these guys go here to fight? What, why were they willing to die? Why did they bury them in a mass grave? You know, all that stuff Mm -hmm. started kind of piquing my interest, uh, about history. So again, you know, I'm like many, many other people, civil war history is, you know, really what I'm really focused on. And that's, you know, when I teach it in class, my, my students, my, I teach seventh and eighth grade American history. They just, uh, I think they roll their eyes because I'll just go on for weeks and weeks and weeks about the civil war. And, you know, I try, I try to zoom through the revolution and the other stuff. So that way I can get to the civil war and spend most of my time on that. So that's one big reason why why I'm in, in, into history. But then two, I have an older brother, Jason, who is, he's a bigger history nerd than I am. And he should honestly be teaching, teaching a history class, but he doesn't. Cause I mean, he would be a phenomenal because honestly, 90% 90% of what I know about history seems like it comes from conversations with him. Huh. But uh, when we were growing up, when we were growing up, my dad, every time we'd go on vacation, he would take us to some sort of historic site, mm-hmm. whether it be like Vicksburg or stopping at Gettysburg or Antietam mm-hmm. or, mm-hmm. you know, just basically anything that was historic, he would stop and take us there. And my brother and I were talking about this a few years ago. And we're like, why on earth did dad take us to all these historic sites because dad didn't care about history. He could care less about all this stuff, but yet he took us to these sites and it got us all interested in history. Well, it dawned on us. The reason he did that on vacation was because he was cheap Uh, because he didn't take us to Disney world. He was like, you know what? I can go to this historic site for free (laughs) and I can entertain my kids for a few hours without having to pay anything. So (laughs) it's honestly my 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 father's cheapness is kind of what what led me to really get into history and really love history so much and everything. So that's all. That's how I always tell people I got into history was kind of you know those two stories kind of led me down the path of eventually becoming a history teacher. How how funny is that? It's it's funny. We just did. We were just telling you we did an interview a couple of days ago, and for for him the. Um, J- JD, mm-hmm. you know, from from the history underground, mm-hmm. it, for him it was family too, right? For him it was his, his grandfather mm-hmm. and, his, yes. and his father. Um, but how funny that it, it's, it's still family, um, yes. and and I'll be curious to see how our kids end up falling out, whether they whether they love it or hate it, because we drag them everywhere. They go to all of our. They go to all of our. Well, yeah, I know. I always see in your videos, your kids are in the background back there, usually, you know, <laughs> hanging out while you're recording your videos. So, so yeah, that's awesome that you're taking your kids there. Cause I'm sure someday they'll probably look back and be like, remember how fun it was to go to all those, yeah, all those sites. And I'm sure when they're in, when they're in school too, I bet they probably say to the teacher, Hey, I've been there. I've been there. Yeah. I know where you're talking about. Yeah. They would so. ask about Rosa Parks and I'm like, we were there. I took you there to yeah. where she got on the bus mm-hmm. and they were yeah. like, Oh Yeah. But you brought up something else that was very interesting to me. Okay. You know who else is from Springfield, Missouri? I do not know, Jen. Please tell us. Brad Pitt. <laughs> oh, that's right. Actually, he he went to he went to I don't know if I can name call out certain schools. He went to Kickapoo High School, which was the rival <laughs> high school of Glendale High School, which was the high school where uh, well, actually, my brother went to Glendale High School. Okay. But yeah, he went to Kickapoo High School. So, oh, how funny. Yeah, uh, so, That's yeah, awesome. Yeah. Leave, it, leave it to yeah. the, one of the biggest uh, Brad Pitt fans that, I'm a that, huge I, that I know. Brad Pitt fan. He's probably the only person I'm a, I would be starstruck for. But well, so now I'm starstruck for you. Well, be- before we devolve <laughs> oh, yeah, into yeah. Brad, Pitt, well, Brad Pitt fandom, um, I'll, uh, I'm going to... Mm-hmm. Tell me more about the channel. Do you want to say anything oh, about yes, the Daily yeah. Bell Ta- Ringer? So talk to us. So how did how did all that kind of eventually develop into the Daily Bell Ringer? Okay, yeah. So the Daily Bell Ringer, the way it all started, um, actually, you know, I, I told you before, I'm a teacher. I, I've taught for, now I yep. forget how many years. It's like 15, 16 years I've been teaching. Yeah. But a few years ago, I was asked uh, to become an instructional coach. Uh, my district kind of recognized, they were like, hey, here's one of our better teachers. Cool. Why don't we have him go and help other teachers out mm-hmm. to become better teachers? Yeah. And so uh, I went to be an instructional coach. Well, when I went to do that, uh, 
they didn't really have anybody to fill in American history. And so they just said, well, here's an English teacher. Let's just have her do it. Mm. And so I had this an English teacher that I worked with, and she was just completely distraught, crying, because she was like, I've taught English for 20 years, and here they are putting me into an American history class. Oh, my gosh. Which, again, I I, I completely – I have a problem with that in education, that we throw people just in, into whatever subject area sure. just because they have a teaching degree. Sure. But, uh, but anyway, she was so upset about it. And I, I started thinking to myself, what could I do to help her out? And so I was like, what if I made just little five minute videos with a few questions with them that she could maybe just show at the beginning of her class to just get the basics. And then she could maybe go on with a reading or, you know, something else that related to that topic. And so initially I just started making the videos just for one teacher in my school district. And so once I made a couple dozen videos, then my wife kind of said to me, it was like, well, why are you making them just for this one teacher? Why don't you just put it out there for everybody to see? And so that's when I start, I started putting it out there. And of course, if you see some of my very early videos, they're nowhere close to like what I do now with my videos, but it's just kind of, you know, just like I'm sure you found with your videos, Mm -hmm. it just kind of keeps on growing and you feel like you keep getting better at it and keep finding new ways to do it. And, and that's kind of what, how it all kind of got rolling and everything. And of course, once I started putting them out there, like I said, now it's like I have I, I have I have schools in Guam and in South Korea that have contacted me, oh, you know, that are, cool. that are using some of the stuff uh, in their classes. And so, yeah, I mean, the whole focus of my, of my channel, it's not to get every single detail of all these events. I know you guys, you guys do a great job of going deep into the topics and sharing a lot of stuff. But my videos, I kind of look at them as being this is just simply to kind of tee up the ball for the Absolutely. teacher then to hit it out of the park. That sure. they can, you know give them the basics and then follow it up with like, okay, here's a primary source reading that goes along with it. Or we're going to start working on this little activity where you're, you know, role playing or something after they watch the video. So that's really the main goal of my videos. They're not, they're not to cover everything. They're just to give the basics and everything. Yeah. And and, and when you had reached out, because, because we actually got connected to to you for, for the listeners here. Right. Mm -hmm. So, so you actually had reached out to us saying, Hey, you know, I'd love to do an interview with you. This is my channel and um, kind of some other resources, right. Trying to kind of push some other history, Mm -hmm. history resources Mm -hmm. and stuff like that out there. And I looked at your channel and we kind of emailed back and forth. I was like, what a cool idea. Like that. I think that's such a, a great idea to like quick bite-sized history and I love the concept of like it, it is tough for students to kind of shift that that brain set. And so if they can sit down and kind of, mm. like you said, either as they're coming into class, you, you push play on the video or the first five minutes, it kind of gets them into that mind frame. Mm-hmm. So I, I love that. Yes, me too. And I, I, awesome. and I know I'm, I'm speaking to you, you as, you know, I, I don't. I don't know if you guys have ever taught any classes or anything, but like when you're working, especially with like junior high age kids, it's like you really need to have a set routine that you do every day that kind of gets them comfortable when they come into the classroom. And I feel like my videos are kind of that little routine. You could just simply put one of those on right when they come in the room. They know they need to answer the questions and then it just kind of gets everything rolling uh, for your class. So that's that's honestly kind of, you know, what the goal is of the channel and everything. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's fantastic. And And a quick congratulations to you before we move on you just crossed 10,000 subscribers yeah 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 my my uh, my kids at school they were saying they wanted me to shave my beard or something (laughs) like when I hit 10,000 I was like no I'm not I'm not doing that not not gonna happen well I I saw that I I was I was scouting your channel a little bit earlier today and uh and I saw that congratulations man we're 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 striving to get there um and uh we'll uh Maybe we'll we'll do a little something once we once we get closer to that mark. So, um, yeah. All yeah, right, it's a it's a slow process, but, but yep. yeah, that's what we keep saying. It's a you know you have to be in for the marathon. Yeah, it's not a sprint. Yeah, yeah. And honestly, I, I, I'm sorry if I'm changing topics here. No, but the other fine. day, I was watching a, uh, a a talk by a there's a guy I follow named Lou Mangello who's like a big like Disney World like historian, but mm-hmm. he's has some great stuff about like podcasting and and social media that he has as well. And you know, he brought up the point that you know I, I think you're kind of in the same boat as I am. It's like this is something that you really love to do. Yeah, and it's like, does it really matter necessarily that you have? 10,000 subscribers or a hundred thousand subscribers mm-hmm. as long as, I mean, if, if you just have two people out there that are watching consistently, yeah. it, it makes it all worth it. They yes. just like you're, you're sharing what you're passionate about. And so you just need to stay passionate uh, about the, about what you're doing. And, you know, 100%. for me personally, I've found that, you know, these videos are just something that I get really passionate about that I'm willing to 
get up, you know, at four in the morning so I can get them done before I go to work and, yeah. you know, things like that. So, uh, so I'm sure you guys are kind of in that same boat, that it's something you're passionate about and you just want to keep doing it. Yeah. Yeah. You know, for us, it's something we found we could really do together. Yeah. And that's, you know, cause I, I think I've told you before, Jared, like I do the information and the topics, but Scott does all the production. Yeah. So together we're the mm-hmm. team. So that's what makes it great. It's it's a real family thing for us. Yeah, I, I joke. I I joke with folks, right? And to, to anybody that doesn't know us, is you know I'm not really a huge <laughs> history buff myself. <laughs> I, I, I'm just not right. But mm-hmm. I've I've learned to I've learned to enjoy it and doing these things, and I enjoy the production side of it. And and so I joke with Jen is that we finally found something after 15 years <laughs> that we enjoy doing together. Um, <laughs> and uh, so. So yeah, it, it's a ton of fun, and I can tell you have you're you're doing it for for you have the heart to do it for other mm-hmm. people, and I think that'll that'll give you some longevity. So let's shift into mm-hmm. kind of our first uh, our first real segment here. And so what I like to do is we do um, this is just kind of for fun, but it leads into a historical uh, topic. Um, is we do a word association game. So I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna say some words, and you just kind of. Say the first okay. thing or phrase um, that 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 pops into your mind, and believe it or not, eventually it will lead into uh, to, to a historical <laughs> event that we'll chit chat about a little bit. So, um, all so, right. So, my, the the first word I have for you is Kansas. I'd say Jayhawks. Okay. Say, and I said Dorothy because I right. thought okay. Wizard of Oz. Oh, all right. okay. So, if I was to say nine to zero, what would you think? I guess I'm thinking of a baseball game when I hear that. Like sure. Yeah, I said the same thing. I said a score, football score. Okay. Yeah. Um, if I were to say unequal, what would you think? I'm, I'm thinking of, I suppose because I teach history and the Constitution, I'm talking. I'm thinking about representation. That's basically okay. the word mm-hmm. that popped into my mind was, is it unequal? I said representation. <laughs> okay. And I thought of the uneven bars in yeah. gymnastics. <laughs> um, if, I was oh, okay. to, if I was to say brown, what would you think? Oh, John. Okay. Okay. And John I Brown. thought of Cleveland Browns. Cleveland Browns, Browns right. Pittsburgh fan over here. I know. <laughs> um, if I was to say Supreme Court, what would you think? Well, the first word that comes into my mind is justice. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. And so if we're, th- if we're kind of putting all those together, what I'm leading into is Brown versus the Board of Education. And so if you, oh, if you okay. kind of, if you, if you look back on all of that stuff, right, it's actually the Brown versus the Board of Education of Topeka, Kansas, um, nine to zero mm-hmm. was unanimous decision, unequal, you know, Brown and Supreme Court. So that's just kind of a, fu- a fun way to kind of, s- to see if we kind of lead folks down, down a path. And then once you get to the end, it's a, just a fun way to kind of broach a topic. So one of the things that we well, like I, to do, I have to be honest with you, go ahead. I have to be honest, since, you know, since I said I, I'm so into Civil War history, as soon as you start saying Kansas, then, you know, I said Jayhawks, and then I started yeah. thinking Bleeding Kansas, yeah. and of course, that led me into <laughs> thinking of John, of John Brown and sure. everything, so that yeah. was what I was, you know. Yeah, I wasn't even, when he did it to me the first time, I wasn't even on the same page, and then when he said Brown versus the Board of Education, <laughs> I'm like, wow, was that in Kansas? Like, yeah. I I knew it was somewhere, Yeah. Yep. but I, Southern, but I wasn't sure, it was, I, I'm surprised. That was something I was not aware of. So yeah, so so that's what we like to ask, right? And that's really more the focus of this of this podcast is how we how we learn history, what we remember learning. So what do you? What we like to ask is, what do you remember learning of Brown versus Board of Education, either in your youth, or what kind of stands out to you now, looking back? You know that that again stands out today that maybe didn't when you were younger. Um, well, you know, I think overall, just you know, as you get older, you get a better grasp of what what history is and what those events were and i guess you know when when you're in junior high and high school and it, it, it's tough to try to get students to recognize yeah. that something is unfair yeah. because again yeah. students so many times are uh, I, I don't know how to want to say like like narcissists you know mm-hmm. everything's about them and sure. about what all, their whole world and they don't think about people outside of their world yeah. and uh you know thinking about brown versus board of education i mean that that's something that you know, as a junior high student, you probably don't think more like, ah, that's no big deal. You know, I don't really want to go to school anyway. So yeah. why would you be concerned sure. about it if you couldn't go to school? Sure. But then as you get older, you recognize you're like, wow, that's really, 
that's really unfair. You know, mm-hmm. that's really a, a terrible law that's in place. And, and, you know, it's a great thing that we are able to overturn that and, and everything. And actually just recently, you know, like you were saying, Jen, uh, you know, you don't think about Brown versus Board of Education being in Kansas because yeah. you automatically defer to like Jim Crow laws. Mm-hmm. And you think, well, that's deep south. Yes. So Brown versus Board of Education, that had to be like in Mississippi or something like yes. that. And you just don't think about it, you know, being in Kansas. And that's the unfortunate fact. And and of course, I apologize for still focusing on antebellum history and, and Civil War history. Oh, but, no worries. You know, that's something that I try to stress to my stu- I stress to my students is that you know, racism just didn't exist in Southern states. Yes. It existed everywhere. You everywhere. Know, and that people yes. in, in the North, in the Antebellum period, were eat just as racist as people in the South, unfortunately. Yes. Yes. And of course, you know, we talk about amendments and how, you know, 13th Amendment outlawed slavery. But I said, unfortunately, we can't outlaw stupidity mm-hmm. and we can't yeah. outlaw things yeah. like racism. You know, we, we, we simply can't because people still can hold those wrong views and, and everything. And so... So, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of what I think about when I think about Brown versus Board of Education. I have to be honest with you. You know, honestly, my uh, my teaching, I pretty much go through basically reconstruction and I don't really get a whole lot further than that yeah. uh, with my students. So honestly, I've never really had an opportunity to teach in my classroom born Brown versus Board of Education. Yeah. Uh, so really, most of my memories of that is just kind of some of my classes from when I was in high school. Yeah, yes. me too. You know, I think I probably think of, it, of the South because the best depiction I've ever seen of it was at the Civil Rights Museum in Jackson, Mississippi. And it's because they made a white classroom melt into an African-American classroom, like a black classroom. It was one classroom and they did one side Mm -hmm. of it white and one side of it black. And the whole premise of board versus the education was separate, but equal, but they're trying to show you how it was Mm -hmm. never equal. Like that was the whole thing. Like it's supposed to be equal, but here's this white classroom, nice desks, new things. Everything was painted nicely, Mm -hmm. you know, and then it melt into benches no desks, benches, no, nothing's new. Everything's old and used and it's nothing's painted. Uh-huh. Everything looks like it's been kind of, you know, put together haphazardly. And these are the two classrooms that were operating at the same time in the same city and with the whole separate but equal mentality. And that to me was one of the best depictions to see how this was not there was no equality here. Yeah, and and one of the things, right? Yeah. Again, not not being super focused on history when I was growing up, but I, I was a political science major, you know, in, in college. So I, one of my favorite classes was actually some of my constitutional law classes, mm-hmm. and I and I actually enjoyed, mm-hmm. in a weird way, reading some of those Supreme Court decisions that would we would study about some of these bigger, you know, more well known cases because these Supreme Court justices are so smart. I mean, they are brilliant lawyers and judges and the the way they write is is not only eloquent mm-hmm. but so well put and i liked i enjoy, i liked the phrase when i was kind of again kind of refreshing my memory on this topic was you know separate but equal is inherently not equal mm-hmm. right and and that's kind of how they mm-hmm. that's how they phrased it and and i like that you know i i, I love that aspect of 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 some of those things mm-hmm. um but again, I, I'm like you guys. I don't really remember too much yeah. about it. I learned about it, right, and and learning separate but equal and things like that. Well, as I say, you know, one thing I try to em- emphasize to my students because you know we go through like the Dred Scott case, mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I make the point that it's like we we trust the Supreme Court and mm-hmm. we we think that yeah. yeah these guys are brilliant lawyers and yeah I mean they're they're the top of their field. But they don't always make the right decision. Oh, yeah. Just no. because the Supreme Court says that That's this right. is the right decision, it can be. So, you know, if you go back and look at Plessy versus Ferguson when they yep. established the whole separate but equal the idea. The whole thing, yeah, it's where it like came that from. Was an absolute, yeah, that, mm-hmm. that was an absolutely ridiculous decision. And I mean, and I say to the students, and, I, and again, I, I'm very much an advocate in the classroom not to share my own political views. But, you know, I say, you know, there, there's several decisions the Supreme Court has made that I don't necessarily agree with, you know, mm-hmm. personally. And, you know, but I don't necessarily get into those. But I say, you know, you don't always have to agree with what the Supreme Court says or what the government says. I mean, that's one of the fr- great freedoms we have here in the United States that we can have yeah, our th- own opinions. And that, I mean, that, that's, that, that's a great point. And I think that's a great point of clarification is there are smart people out there who are intending to do good things. But there's an evolution, as as, as we know, mm-hmm. right, as, as you guys who study history and me who learns history through, you know, making these videos and podcasts and all that stuff. <laughs> um, 
but there's an evolution, right? I mean, it's sometimes it's societal, sometimes it's cultural. Yes. It's, it's a mix of everything. So a historian 100 years ago, right, would have a very different opinion on what's right, what's wrong, what's equal, what's not equal, yes. you know, um, a very different perspective on history than we do today so there's to your point jared there's there's always going to be an evolution yes um even at the highest levels yes and you know and that's what i i i feel like you jared like i always try to stress that america has never spiked the ball we've never gotten to the ideal we try to live by we're trying to get there that's the whole process is we're trying to meet these ideals and it's it's the ever going process of that. And sometimes we take a step forward, and times sometimes we take a step back, and we try to fix it. And you know, sometimes that takes time. But it's the whole experiment of trying to reach that ideal that makes it worth it. Yeah, you know, and the thing is, too, you got to think about. I mean, we're never going to reach that goal because yeah, right. the fact is, we're all flawed human beings. Yep. I mean, we all have you know twisted things in our you know, and mm-hmm. this like no matter how hard we try, I don't think we're ever going to, you, you, we're never going to be able to reach that because no. it's just it's yeah. simply impossible. You There's a uh, flawed and everything. That yeah. doesn't mean we shouldn't try. Yeah. It just means, you know, I, I, you, and I, we're getting very philosophical. I know. I, yeah, we, we are. That, we're, we're getting into the stuff but, that but, I like but, to talk about because I, I, I love that kind of well, stuff. Well, then the other thing, what, well, also Scott, I guess what you got me thinking of there is how much, and again, this is something like, sometimes I try to bring this up with some of my higher classes and see if we can kind of talk about it a little bit. But it's like, how much do we hold people in the past responsible yeah. for their actions? We've talked about that. We've because it's about, like, yeah. you know, yeah, it, it's like there's terrible, terrible things people have done in history. But at the time when they did those things, those things were acceptable. Mm-hmm. And it's like, can we necessarily, as us today, go back and say, well, this person was a terrible, evil person when at the time period they didn't necessarily see themselves that way or people, other people in society didn't see them that way. So I don't know. I mean, it's one of those things that they, I don't know if there's a right answer or wrong answer to it. It's just one of those ones that just kind of makes you think. You yeah. Know? And I think that's the best part, Jared. Like, so I, I've taught a couple classes too. I always lead off. I'm going to tell you about the most amazing heroic people in American history. And I'm going to tell you about these terrible, terrible moments and evil things. And sometimes it's going to be the same person. And I said, and the point is, I, mm-hmm. you're not here to really judge them, but you're here to know them. You're here to understand what happened. Mm-hmm. You're here to understand those decisions. And I think you feel the same way, Jared. Like I'm here to teach you how to how to find the information, what primary sources to look at. Make sure you're looking at the whole picture. Make sure you're not cutting stuff out just to see a person a certain way or an event a certain way. But I'm not here to tell you what to think, mm-hmm. just how to think. Mm-hmm. And the what is very individual to the person. So yeah, and 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 for me, right. When, when she's providing that, what I'm trying to do from a production and, and kind of, I'll say it in a weird way, kind of an artistic sense, is, is provide the context and the story. Mm-hmm. Because I, I will say mm-hmm. that one thing that I've, I've kind of learned more over the past uh, little over a year now that we've been doing our channel is that there's a whole lot of context that gets lost just kind of over the course of how much education we're trying to shove into all of our young brains, you know, mm-hmm. for 12 years and then four more years in college and all that stuff, right? So there's a whole lot of context when you're learning history that just kind of gets lost because you can't cover it all. Yes. Um, and so that's one of the things that we, we do our best to do. To your point, you know, we've got, you know, eight minute videos on for us is on the short end, right? We're, we just published a 15 minute video on the Wright brothers, you know, today. Yes. Um, and we're getting ready to do, you know, another one on a medal of honor winner mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And so it's, it's hard to get that, that context in there, but it's so important if you really want to understand a topic or a subject. Yes. And, and I think that's kind of both what you guys are, are, are talking about. So, you know, and that's the difficult thing in teaching history is, you know, you think about the math teacher down the hall. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Their their textbook kind of just stays the same. Yeah. Sure. Not a whole lot of change. Not a whole lot changes. Yeah. But, you know, history, it's like, yeah, you know, we got stuff, ancient history that always going to be there. But the fact is, we're constantly adding to it. You know, yep. we're constantly adding to our history. And so it's constantly growing. So like you said, it's like most teachers today, I mean, even in high school, I think, you know, they're lucky to get through Vietnam sure. just because it's like, there's so much stuff you have to cover. And like you said, you can't cover all those little minute details that are actually pretty important mm-hmm. when you look at the big picture. But as you know, in a high school classroom, it's like, 
you got to get through this to this certain point by the end of the year. And so you kind of have to just breeze over those things. And I, I think, know. you know, your videos do a great job of bringing out some of those those little details uh, that that sometimes we miss mm-hmm. <laughs> and everything. So. So, yeah. Yeah. And that's yeah, kind we, of one of the goals with my videos, too. Sometimes I try to I try to throw in some of those things so that that way they can get a little five minute video. And there it is. Yeah. With, with some of those little details. Extra, Connect the extra, dots. Yeah. yeah like ex, I'm, yeah. Extra little nugget, little mm-hmm. little flavor on there. So, um, well, and, mm-hmm. and that's actually kind of uh, that's a decent segue kind of into the next question that we like to ask folks. Um, and actually, you had kind of touched on it earlier when you talked about your students and kind of how when you're young, you tend to be, for lack of a better word, narcissistic, right? It's your your world is yourself, mm-hmm. right? Um, so one of the things we like to we like to ask it, you know, our guests is what's the first big historical event that you remember happening in your lifetime that kind of really opened your eyes to like, oh my gosh, like I'm not the only I'm not the center of the universe here. So what's what's something like that that a big, a big kind of historical event that, that you remember? Honestly, I remember I was uh, sitting in the hallway at Pershing Elementary School in, in Springfield, uh, and I was doing flashcards with one of my friends. Yeah. We were, you know, we're just doing like two plus two and three plus three. I was in second grade, and the teacher like came out in the hallway and was like, you guys need to come back in the classroom. And on the screen, the, ch- the challenger had just exploded. Yeah. And so that was like my first, and I know I was only second grade, but yeah. really that's the first time I really remember like, Oh my goodness, here's a huge event. And I, and you know, I remember in school that year, we had all been following uh, Krista McCullough and how yep. she was going to be on that, on that flight. She was going to be the first teacher to go mm-hmm. into space. Yeah. Uh, and how, I mean, we had been following that and here it was this, this huge tragedy. And so that's honestly probably the first time I can remember an event that like, I guess kind of shocked the system or whatever and made me realize you know, I, there's bigger things than just me. So it was probably second grade. Yeah. I mean, do you, do you think that, uh, that your students have had, had anything like that? You know, honestly, I, I don't really feel like they necessarily have. Because, yeah. I'm, I'm not sure. Uh, of course, you know, every year, you know, we, we spend the day when it was September 11th, I spend sure. the day trying to talk to them about it. And of course, yep. uh, when, when I get to September 11th with my, with my classes, it's kind of different because I can actually tell them, I'm like, you know, everything we've talked about so far this year, I've been a secondary source. Right. I haven't been somebody who was actually there that experienced it. Mm-hmm. But now here's an event where I'm a primary source, even though I wasn't in New York City or yeah. Washington, D.C. when those things happened. I was still there and remember, I mean, I remember that day going out in my front yard and looking up in the sky and I could see Air Force One and a couple jets. Oh, my gosh. They were the only planes in the sky over our, over my house. Oh, wow. And that was just an eerie feeling just looking up and seeing that. Uh, but, you know, again, I, I feel like, you know, I hope they don't have to go through an event like that to kind of make them recognize, yeah. uh, you know, how important history is and how they there's a bigger world than just them. I hope they don't have, have to experience something like 9-11. But, yeah, I really don't feel like our, our younger generation today has really had an event like that that has, you know, been a moment where all the nation comes together and, you know, recognizes one single event yeah i i said something i actually kind of said i don't know of, how you guys feel no no i, I feel I, the same I, way like you would think thing. covid would have done it but covid really divided the nation more than bring us together you know i i would i would guess and that's actually a really good point i would guess that in 10 years if i ask my currently 11 year old mm-hmm. um if mm-hmm. i ask him hey what's kind of the first big thing that you remember the big historical event or maybe in 20 years yes. right because that's you know I'll, if he's anything like me he won't start really being that in perspective until he's almost 30 he's a little um, and uh <laughs> but I, I i covid might be one of those things the world pandemic right when they when everything shut down and you know, that that might be the thing right that that's actually a really good point jen i hadn't thought about that yeah but we i mean honestly we, we kind of guarded them from bigger i mean because we saw the bigger picture living through it that the world wasn't really because when you've been through 9-11 and saw how we all came together and to see something like covid we we really didn't and we we guarded our children a little bit more so maybe they felt like we did you know i I don't know i i i I think that's a really good point i'm surprised i hadn't thought about that that earlier but um you know maybe maybe was just such a a bam moment yeah. you know like mm-hmm. it was just one boom here it is yes whereas covid was just kind of slowly it was slowly, gradual slowly. yeah that's a good i mean point. i realized we kind of saw it coming then all of a sudden it's like 
shut down, shut down, yeah. shut yep. down, but still it just kind of drug on. But I think you're right. I think probably probably for a lot of these kids, you know, 10 years from now, this will be probably the COVID pandemic. Will yeah, be that they'll, they'll say, hey, the pandemic, you know, I remember the pandemic. Yeah. 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 And it's interesting, Jared, yeah. you said the shuttle because that that's mine, too. The Challenger explosion okay. is mine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I it's the first mm-hmm. time. Same thing. My school followed it. I I uh, went to school in um, Cheyenne, Wyoming, and so my school oh, did really? the same thing. Followed the whole thing. We watched it on TV, you know. And it was the first time I was like, "This is what's happening, right?" Do you, Do you remember like talking to your parents mm-hmm. about it or anything, or like was did your family kind of like discuss it, or was it really more just like? Hey, I was at school and this was just like a just complete shock. And I, I mean, you had some very specific details that you remember about that day. So obviously that's one of those things. <laughs> I, I more just remember that moment being yeah. in the hallway and having the teacher call us back into the room. Yeah. I don't necessarily remember really discussing it that much with my parents uh, yeah. or anything. So no, I don't, yeah, I, the aftermath. I, guess I don't really have that memory, but yeah, but I, I, I need to, I need to talk to my, I don't know if you're like me, your sibling seems to always remember everything better yes. than you did. You That's know, very when you were true. Kid, so I, I so have one of those. I need to I, call I my brother. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. <laughs> I, I tend to, uh, yeah. my brother and I actually, we tend to remember a lot of the same stuff yeah. We're we're very similar in, in that, in that regard. But uh, the Challenger was not one for me. I'm a little bit younger, so I, so I wasn't quite in school yet. Um, so what, and, what was yours then? So for me, it was a local thing, and we'll get into that. Um, but for me, it was it was okay. a, it was a local thing, and so it was actually because I grew up in California, and so it was actually an earthquake. Okay, um, and it was a pretty good size earthquake, and actually it was in 1989. Mm-hmm. Um, and if you if you're a baseball fan at all, if uh, it was the World was Series. San Francisco. I'm sorry. It was, it was yeah, yeah, San Francisco's and mm-hmm. the Giants and the A's when the the earthquake happened during the World Series. Mm-hmm. Or I don't remember what game it was, but I lived close enough to the San Francisco area at the time that I actually felt it was either aftershocks or kind of the first wave. Yes. And both my brother and I, we were pretty young, and that's kind of the first thing that I remember. And and we joke. Oh, that story you know, is so great. And, so Scott's a pastor's kid, right? He's a his dad's a pastor, okay. and they thought. Jesus mm-hmm. was coming back. Yeah. Like, we, had, we, had, we had so much no. church and God in our house that uh, we were playing basically like in a pool that had been filled in with sand because it was the 80s. And right in the 80s, uh-huh. skateboarding became a thing and the people weren't putting, you know, you're using their pools. And so, and there actually used yeah. to be skaters. Like this is, you know, just like you see in the, in the old 80s and 90s movies, they would come and skate in the, the empty pool at my neighbor's yard and all that stuff. And so, <laughs> The neighbor moved in, and they didn't. They didn't want that, and so they filled it in with sand. And so, my, to me and my brother, we were like, oh, "Great, this is our own private sandbox." And so mm-hmm. we were playing in this in this pool filled with sand, and all of a sudden, the stand the, the earthquake starts coming. And I thought it was like I was young enough. I thought it was just like a big truck or something driving by. We kind of lived near some farmland, and but really, what it was, it was the earthquake, and the, the, the sand was hovering probably a good inch or two off the ground, and just everything was shaking. Wow. And so both my brother and I, we got up, we ran home and it was either me and my brother were like, is Jesus coming? And, you know, my mom just wanted to make sure that, that, uh, that, that we're safe. Right. So we always laugh about that. So that's for, for me, that was the first time that I, that the first thing that I remember, and it was a little bit more regional. So that's a, that's a good segue mm-hmm. into, into our next question is we like to ask some regional history questions. Because that tends to, to be a little bit more unique. Um, so what's something for you that's a, a regional, it doesn't have to be like an eye-opening thing, but a, a piece of regional history that if I were to come visit you in Illinois, everybody in the local area would be like, oh yeah, we remember this kind of little historical piece of of Illinois history or whatever's more local to you. And I would probably have never heard of it. Well, I, you know, I, th- I think we were talking before we uh, started recording here. Yeah. Honestly, where I live in, in Galesburg, Illinois, it's the Lincoln-Douglas debate site. Yep. I suppose that's maybe not the earth-shattering history for everybody when they come to this area. But if there's somebody who comes here and it's like, well, you know, what do you, what do you have here that's historic? Yeah. I always point them to that. Um, so uh, Lincoln-Douglas debate site on the, the campus of Knox College here in, in Galesburg, Illinois. And I want to say October, and I can't remember the exact date, October 1858. Uh, was when, uh, you know, Abraham Lincoln and Stephen Douglas debate mm-hmm. there. Cool. You know, people always forget about, you know, they think about the Lincoln. I don't know if you guys have studied the Lincoln-Douglas debates uh, very much, but 
Of course, Abraham Lincoln was completely unknown Mm -hmm. before he challenged Stephen Douglas. And of course, Stephen Douglas was the leading senator in the Senate. And uh, so when he challenges him and they arrange these debates, it's kind of the first time that we see candidates actually getting up in front of an audience and facing off with one another. But, you know, what's interesting about those debates and sorry, I'm going to start getting into the whole debate thing. Those debates, it was like and I forget I I forget the format. You know, today we think of like. Trump and Hillary yelling mm-hmm, at each right. other sure. on, you know, on, on national news. Yeah. But back then it was the first candidate got to get up and talk for an hour and a half. Then the next candidate Holy would get cow. up and talk for an hour. Then the other one would get up for like 45 minutes. And then the other one would get up for 30 minutes. It was like an all day, like four or five hour event wow. uh, when they would have these debates. But the, the funny thing is, is here in Galesburg, um, they had it at Knox College and, uh, there's a park right across the street from from this old main building at Knox College. They intended on having it in the park because they were like, we can accommodate the 20,000 people who are going to come for this sure. in the park. Well, the thing was the night before they had a big storm and it was too muddy uh. to have it in the park. And so they moved it to the end of this building at Knox College. And so they built this platform on the end of the building for the candidates to stand up on. But they built it and then they realized we didn't build steps for anybody to get on top of the platform. Oh no. And so the only way to get on the platform was you had to climb through a window of the Knox College old main building to get onto the platform. And so the story is is that when they when they climb out this window Abraham Lincoln comes out and immediately stands up and says, finally, I've gone through college was what he said, because, you know, he had never went to college. Yes, sure. And so that was his, stu- they, they, you know, they say Lincoln was the king of dad jokes. And so, yeah. you know, that was his joke when he got out, got out of the window. So, so anyway, but again, yeah, the Lincoln Douglas debate, one, one of them taking place here. And of course, Lincoln loses that election to Stephen Douglas, but it thrust him into the national spotlight yeah. and it leads to him getting the Republican nomination a couple years later. So, mm-hmm. so it is kind of cool to think about the fact that, you know, here it is, you know, kind of podunk Illinois, kind of where yeah. I live at, but yet here's the site that was an instrumental step leading to arguably the greatest president in American history, Yes, getting to the presidency and leading us through the civil war and, and everything. So, so yeah, that's always, you know, I actually, I have a bell ringer video, one of my older ones that I yeah. recorded from on location right there at the Lincoln Douglas debate site. I, have to uh, watch I probably that should one. update that video because it's, it, yeah, it's, it's one of my older ones, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, it, it's just a, it's, it's a cool thing to go down there and be able to see, you know, mm-hmm. where everything happened and every, and all that. So that's probably the regional thing for, you know, for me in, in my sure. town, what, what, what we, what, what I have. Yeah. And, and, and when you mention it, right, I'm very good at like, oh yeah, that sounds familiar, right? That's, that's yeah. how my brain works. But I, I, I wouldn't be able to tell you, mm-hmm. you know, too much more about, you know, when Link, as Lincoln was coming on to the, to the national scene, but that's that's one of the things that I really enjoy about this question is we've had the chance to talk to a few folks so far mm-hmm. and, and more in the future, you know, that are kind of all around the country and, and hopefully it'll expand from there. But uh, it's really neat to hear that super local history that it's super common for right? everybody in town probably knows like, oh, yeah, that's it over there. It's the Lincoln Douglas. Uh, they had their debate over there and mm-hmm. that's a big deal. And that's when kind of Lincoln burst onto the scene right here, you know. And um, it's it's always neat mm-hmm. for me to to learn that, you know, a, as I get older. And I sure. And I think it's great to show American history is everywhere. Yeah. Even in little towns, they do have a major influence. Mm-hmm. Even your little town had a major influence. Yeah. And like you said, arguably the greatest president we have ever had. Like there was a moment there. Mm-hmm. And there wasn't a, a likability to Lincoln. And he was... He was he was able to deliver his his ideas well. That's why there's a whole Gettysburg Address, like one of the shortest, what is mm-hmm. it, 272 words, but one of the greatest speeches ever given. Yeah. Yeah. Right? He's able to deliver mm-hmm. his words in such a way that makes such an impact that that's one of the ways he comes onto the scene so fast and gets so much popularity. Uh, and I think that's amazing that even there he can... And I isn't he... Was he born in Illinois? No, he's born in Kentucky, but he's buried born in, in Kentucky. Illinois. Yeah, yeah, he's buried in in Springfield. Yeah, in Springfield, yeah. Illinois. Yeah. So, okay. um, but but yeah, you know, when you think about Lincoln too, I think what's fascinating is that he's such an iconic figure. I mean, he dies at the exact height of mm-hmm. his career. Yes, and you know, of course, there's so much. What if? What if he had survived? Yeah, would he still be remembered the way he is? But you know, when you think about Lincoln, you just think, oh, well, he's always been an iconic American 
you know, whatever, American icon, American mm-hmm. hero, sure. whatever you want to say. But honestly, when you look at his career, he lost election after election after election. How and for most of his career, he was a failure in politics. And I mean, he uh. was a good lawyer, but he was a failure in politics. And honestly, nobody knew who he was until about two years before he gets elected president. And then, you know, in the matter of six years from 1858, well, seven years until 1865 when he dies, you know, it's really only seven years of American history that he's really instrumental. But he's instrumental at arguably the most important point in American history. Yes. And and, uh, and so, so, yeah, I think it's I think it's fascinating to think about that. It is. And it's fascinating to think that really half of the country hates him. You know, when he's president, you know, he is kind of like hated by half of the country. You know, like even when I go to the South, sometimes Lincoln doesn't have the best reputation in the South. And I'm always surprised by that, Mm -hmm. I guess. And I guess I shouldn't be. But it's interesting, you know, that to be the president of this country and to know that you are you're really trying to bring this country together. But there are people who really don't even view you as the president. Like he never got Mm -hmm. I feel bad for I feel, you know. President Lincoln, to my, he never got to live in how we see him today, right? He never got to feel that from the country, right? The way we look at him today, the way we are appreciative of what he did for America in his time, he never got to 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 feel that from America, you know? It was like, what What did he have, like I'm four days guys, after you... the war? <laughs> oh, yeah, it was like, yeah, yeah, like literally five days after Lee surrenders. Have you guys been to Springfield, Illinois before? No. I, I know since no. you travel quite a bit and everything. Have you been? To, you you have to go to the Lincoln Presidential Library. It is yeah. hands down the coolest historic site I've ever been to. I mean, I know a lot of historic people kind of rip on it because they're like, it's Disney meets history. Hey. But they really, I mean, they have special effects and lights and all kinds of stuff. Oh, that's I mean, cool. I, I'll take students there and they think it's just the most amazing thing. But they have this really cool display there. You walk down this hallway and all of the hallway is like all the angles of the of the room are like skewed mm-hmm. and there's like these weird lights and everything. But all over the room are all these like weird abstract like shaped frames. And in each frame is a political cartoon ripping on Abraham Lincoln. Mm-hmm. And oh, wow. you kind of see how when he was president, people hated him. Yes. That, you know, he he didn't get to see that he was so loved and that he had done so many great things. And throughout his whole presidency, I mean, you just see like they say, you know, how we don't think about Abraham Lincoln having, you know, other politicians in the newspapers and media attacking him. And when you look at what he really had to go through, I mean, that, it was nothing but attacks. Nothing. Uh, on yeah. The constant. He was president. Yeah. yeah. I, so, yeah, yeah, if you ever get the chance to go there, you, you need to check it out. It is it is it's an awesome place to visit. I would love to do that. That's probably something on our list. I, you know, I uncovered some unique Abraham Lincoln history. I don't know if you ever watched that second Arlington video I made, Jared, but Ichabod Crane's son So Washington Irving served with a man named Ichabod Crane, and Mm -hmm. that's where he got the name for his protagonist Hmm. in Legends of Sleepy Hollow. But his son is buried in Arlington, and his son was a yes, and his son was a doctor in the Union Army. And when President Lincoln is shot, his son is the attending physician across the street in the Peterson House, Doctor Crane. Really? Yes. And he is there when when President Lincoln dies. Yeah, it was it was just yeah, like he 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 wasn't the Surgeon General, was he? At the I, time, I forget. He might. I, I, might have I don't been. remember. He was a general. I don't yeah. know if he was the Surgeon. I can't remember. But there's a couple. I physicians. forget what the Surgeon General. Yeah, yeah. But isn't that crazy? Well, I forget what the Surgeon General's name was. Yeah, but I always tell my students this story. I know it's really gross and everything. This story, but. They say the Surgeon General, and I can't even think of his name off the top of my head. He comes to the Peterson house after Lincoln gets shot. Mm-hmm. And, of course, standard procedure back then, you know, since they had just been through the Civil War, standard procedure was you stuck your finger in the bullet wound <laughs> yes. to oh, see yeah. how deep the oh, bullet yeah. was yeah. to be able to see if you could get it out. And so they say the Surgeon General came in, you know, no gloves, completely bare hand, Ugh. put his finger right into the bullet hole. Oh and they gosh. say he actually pushed the bullet deeper into yeah. Lincoln's head. Yeah. And that actually he probably sped Lincoln's death by yeah. doing that. And I, I, I forget where I read that. Barnes. Like, Joseph like, wow, Barnes really was broke. his. Yeah. <laughs> Is that it? Yeah. Okay. Joseph Barnes okay. was the Surgeon General. So so um, Crane must have been just like an attending who was there with him. Mm-hmm. But uh, Jared, that's yeah. the same because I worked at the um, the James Garfield house. I did an internship at the James Garfield house. And so same thing when James Garfield was uh, assassinated, 
and he he lingers for a couple months. It's because the doctors kept uh-huh. putting dirty instruments into his body, <laughs> trying to find the the bullet that he gets blood poisoning and dies. You know, and his the guy who kills him, um, his whole defense is I shot him, but I didn't kill him. The doctors killed him. That was which is true. Really, mm-hmm. that's his defense. I mean, he gets executed uh-huh. anyway, but. That's his defense. Because yeah. it is true. If they would have left the bullets alone, same thing with McKinley. Well, McKinley, they stitched him up and he he dies. But um, if they just would have left it alone, that bullet wouldn't have killed him. It didn't penetrate any organs. But it was them <laughs> sticking their fingers in there. <laughs> Dirty hands and instruments. Oh, it's just doctors. interesting to see how medicine is. Th- thank goodness medicine has come to the point it has today. Otherwise, you know, we should write a book. How many doctors are killed? How many presidents are killed by their doctors? Because, I mean, Washington. Yeah. One. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Washington. Yeah, if, if Washington what would have listened to the first doctor or whatever instead of the second one, yeah, he would have probably made it. That, that's so interesting with it that you, huh. you, when you talk about Lincoln, because I, I, I'll be honest, I don't think I remember learning that that how many failures he had, mm-hmm. you know, before he finally was elected and kind of again thrust into the national spotlight and became president. I mean, it sounds when you were when you were saying that, I don't know if you guys ever remember. And maybe this was just me in Central California listening to the radio as I'm driving to church every Sunday. Mm-hmm. But Paul Harvey is an old kind of very famous yeah. radio host. And he always used to do those those bits mm-hmm. called the rest of the story. Mm-hmm. Right. And he would talk about someone without naming them mm-hmm. and tell them tell all these things. And you're like, man, who's this like super interesting person? They're like failing and failing and failing and doing this, that and the other. And he's like and then the rest of the story is and then the next year Abraham Lincoln was, you know elected mm-hmm. president and you know led the country through the civil war and stuff like that so it sounded like just one of those things and that's just kind of a little bit like what we talked about before was context yes we we, we lose a lot of that context and and that honestly like i mean that's a great example right and as a teacher i'm sure if you're bringing that up there's probably at least one or two students that'll probably that'll sink in and like hey i don't have to succeed every single time look yes. at abraham lincoln Right. Mm-hmm. And, you know, he failed and failed and yeah. failed and failed and then, you know, kind of kept kept going at it. Thank you, Jared, for being on the History Buzz with us tonight. Well, yeah, thank you so much for having me on. And uh, anytime you want to talk again, let me know. Absolutely, absolutely. This was a great Jared. conversation. You know, absolutely. we're kind of thinking a lot of the same things. And mm-hmm. yeah, so. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to the Talk With History podcast. And please reach out to us at our website, talkwithhistory.com. But more importantly, if you know someone else that might enjoy this podcast, please share this with them, especially if you think that today's topic would interest a friend. Shoot them a text and tell them to look up the Talk With History podcast because we rely on you, our community, to grow. And we appreciate you all every day. We'll talk to you next time. Thank you. Thank you.